Hi, I'm Alan Fairley, Director and Owner of ISL Recruitment. Now, our business is all about people. Ambitious tech businesses trust us to help them grow by finding great talent for their business. And personally, I'm passionate about two things, which is helping scale-ups grow and learning from others. So our aim with this content, the Scale-Up Diaries, is to share the best bits about people and companies that we admire, helping everybody that we know in the tech startup and scale-up community on their individual journey. Uh, inevitably, a lot of that's going to be focused on the people and the people within the businesses. So the people like we've got today, Alex, a leader of a business, and also the people within the business, are talking about how to find the best talent and maximise their potential and, and retain the high performers. So if you're interested in key strategies and lessons to help you grow, then hopefully the Scale-Up Diaries is for you. So as I mentioned, my guest today is Alex Packham, founder and CEO of Content Cow. So Alex, welcome along. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time. Um, It'd be great to start by getting an introduction to, to you and the business and, and understanding a bit about um, the, the background there. Yeah, absolutely. Great to, uh, great to be on and great to be, great to be doing this. Um, yeah, so I'm Alex. I founded uh, and run uh, Content Cow. Um, personally, my background uh, has always been very entrepreneurial. Uh, if I go back to sort of the typical, like, where did it all start type moment, um, I've been selling stuff in the playground since the age of 14, if you know what I mean, if you go way back kind of thing. But I always had that entrepreneurial blood within me. Um, I, I got into social media marketing, I suppose, when it became a thing. So I'm, I'm a dinosaur in this industry, if that's, a, if that's even a thing. Um, so when I was at uni, yeah, 11-ish years ago, um, got very into the concept of how Facebook, Twitter, etc., were kind of influencing my own purchasing decisions mainly going to bars, restaurants, or other stuff like that at uni and having a good time with that. Um, and then as I was studying uh, business management and marketing and stuff like that at the time, really got into the concept of, okay, you know, is this a thing? Is, you know, having a Facebook page or having a business social media account going to become a commercial, you know, thing for a company to kind of do for their marketing purposes? Um, I went down lots of cool rabbit holes around that space and, basically started what you would probably consider to be a sort of freelance slash small social media agency when I was at uni, which was really good fun and spent much more time on that than I should have uh, in the first of my studies, but did, did complete and did uh, made a little lifestyle business out of that, I guess. Um, and then I, I basically built, you know, a career in that space. So I was the first social media exec at Odeon Cinemas, big brands, you know, great, great experience and um, bought some of those skills that kind of digital native, social native type of skills to that, to that business for a couple of years. And then I worked at um, Now TV as their social media manager for about two years as well. And that, that business was just starting and did lots of other freelance bits in between of those kind of keeping your entrepreneurial spirit going. Um, left Now TV to start a social media agency called ASTP, which is a very lazy name. It was my initials. I just wanted to get something going and build a business, you know, that was not just me, you know, like I did at uni kind of build something with team, processes, clients, etc. And was very lucky that, you know, Odeon and Sky in some capacity were the kind of two founding clients of that and lots of other kind of um, businesses along the way. And then Content Cal was almost span out of that really. So I, I had a sort of separate mindset and a separate track around building a uh, software business, but I was sort of 23, 24 at the time. So the whole concept of like raising capital and building, you know, that style of company was quite alien um, and it's a different style of challenge. So I won't go into all the details, but, you know, built it as a sort of separate MVP. And we, we got some initial traction through me going again back to Sky and Odeon and the agency clients. And then, you know, ever since then, really, that's sort of 2016, been building the company from there. Um, and there's lots of 
lots of stories and tales within that journey really yeah it'd be great definitely to explore a bit more about how that journey's kind of evolved over the last four years or so in terms of the you mentioned about that kind of entrepreneurial spirit being there and that um that sales aspect to some of what you might have done at a very young age if you're thinking about the the drive to to set up to found the business i guess different things for different people what was it that if you're reflecting back now on why you really wanted to own your your business there's quite a few things to that really i mean the the dynamic of you know being in business whether that's sales type stuff whether it's kind of uh meeting interesting people you know crafting your own freedom and path was a big driver and still is for me now really kind of i've always been a bit of a free spirit on an individual basis not not um not, not for any, like, I can't give you a tangible reason why, but I've always wanted to do my own thing, if that makes sense, what, whatever I've been in. So, you know, when you look at your options for, for jobs and careers, building your own business is about as freeing and as liberating as you can get in reality. So I, I really kind of focused on that as a path. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, if you want to, there's commercial elements to it, obviously, if you can build a big successful business, whatever that may be, you know, you're going to have hopefully a great life and a great, you know, life experience that attaches to that, which is full of variety and meeting lots of interesting people. Um, And I'm very ambitious. I mean, you know, I enjoy the tough challenges. I don't, um, you know, we all have good days and bad days, obviously, but I I can't uh, just coast if that makes sense. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that, but whether it's lucky or unlucky, I've got quite like an intellectual brain. I like to learn stuff, not just do entrepreneurial business stuff. So it doesn't stop ticking. And, And I think again, kind of attacking on your own natural feeling doing a business and creating a company is is as about as challenging as you know you can get in your career so yeah it was all those things really kind of all those like inquisitive you know journeys and um just a lot of mentorship you know when i when i decided to start my own business i didn't go it alone and i never have you know i've never had that attitude i'm a big believer in working with great people and finding great people to advise you and, and i actually just found that very early on i really enjoyed all that stuff at the end of the day so it's as much for me as enjoyable it is about the challenge and kind of the, the journey basically okay great no good to hear and if you're um if you're kind of articulating the the journey of, of content cow so far then um how would you kind of see it and how has it evolved over the last few years a crazy journey i mean it's it's i remember when i first started out and and uh thought about this and asked other business owners you know how do you how do you get from a to b whatever b is whether it's building or selling or just creating your, your company in general and they always would say look there's there's no one journey you know it's very very difficult for anyone to answer that because everyone's just the same um and i remember when i first started again kind of trying to attach that to what you read in the press like how companies are built and everything else it seemed very like well the press make it out like this is very formulaic and simple whereas actually everyone says it's this yeah wild, wild ride basically and, and that's exactly how i describe it um you know i've always try to approach business in general by setting quite clear goals, objectives and things you want to achieve and also understanding where you're at on your own personal journey, but where your business is at is on its kind of maturity journey as well. So you can contextualize it. Um, So kind of morphing an agency, for example, into a software business is something that I now can kind of summarize it as. I mean, that's fundamentally what this journey was. It was building an agency to learn the fundamentals of business and hiring and invoicing and all the normal stuff. Um, and then at some point along the journey, like I said, decided that content cow was actually going to be the main part of the business. And we pivoted into that over time. So yeah, like any company, we've had some great times and, and right now this year, I have to say it's been, been, um, from a business perspective, huge for us, the kind of shift online has really happened this year. So 
for lots of obviously terrible reasons, <laughs> but you know, it has really happened. So we've had some, some, some good growth this year. Um, but like every business, you know, you go through lots of ups and downs. So yeah, wild ride, I suppose so far and, and hopefully lots more years to come on that front. And those, those challenges you envisaged and kind of referenced at the start, that was part of really the, the, the appetite for doing this and building something. Um, then, um, I'm interested to kind of understand the challenges you thought would be there. I'm sure some of them have been there in abundance and others have kind of have crept up, but what would you say have been the key challenges along that journey? I think, um, because I was very young when I started, you know, you, you, you basically, you succeed through raw energy and raw passion and raw just going for it, if that makes sense. And you're, you're completely fearless in your approach. Um, so I think, you know, that, that can get you so far in an entrepreneurial journey and not, not just being young, but just having that drive because, no matter how old you are when you start, if you've never run a business before, it's a whole new journey anyway. So it has to be driven off that raw passion and energy, for example. Um, I think that when you get to a certain size and scale and actually you in software, you've proved your product market fit, for example, that you've got past some of those challenges, the scaling bit and the growing bit, you know, you, you can't do that off raw passion and energy. You, you need a lot of that. Don't get me wrong. But then you, as we were just sort of saying before we started, like, you do need processes. You do need, you know, people that have got much more knowledge in certain fields than you as the entrepreneur have. So the game completely changes. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge that I would say in reality is from an entrepreneur who kind of goes from starting and wants to carry on into running the company every six months to a year, your role and your company changes and you've got to be able to adapt to that mentally and uh, work out the bits that you should let go of and work out the bits you should focus on and figure all that stuff out. So I would say that, you know, that's the challenge really. It's that there is no one clear path, as I said, and everything changes for that individual every sort of six months to a year, which really does mean that your, your entire way that you do things needs to change. Um, so staying top on top of it and staying, you know, staying passionate and energized is tough sometimes, let's be honest, but finding ways to do that, you know, finding ways to reinvigorate yourself and uh, yeah, just carry on basically and uh, try and enjoy it as much as you can get the, the growth and the success bit as well. So, so diving into the detail on that, what are the things that um, you as an individual and you as a leader of the business do to, to keep that energy there and to keep making sure that um, inevitably, you know, anybody, you, I, anybody else is going to have bad days, but okay, it's making sure that they're not, they're not knocking you back. There's something that you're, you're, however you're dealing with it you're moving on from them and, and making the next day positive so what is it that you think you do to to help with that yeah there's a big thing around framing the whole experience right mentally so that, this is for me personally anyway you, you have to basically have the mindset and however you decide to do this and regulate yourself on it that it is a journey and that you know you're you, although you're the person you've started it and you're running it and ultimately the, the buck stops with you whether things go well or not you, you can't get everything right and you shouldn't expect yourself to do so the game again, like, like I said, it changes, but when you get to a certain stage, um, getting more things right than wrong is actually what it is about. It's not about, like I said, you know, being completely perfect in every facet. So that's one big thing. I think um, learning the art of delegation, learning the art of management, uh, learning you know, how to be uh, sort of phrase, you know, candid and open with people, but also foster, you know, the right cultural energy and, uh, feeling within the organization and stuff like that is really critical um, and just staying on top of things you know it, you can't stop learning at the end of the day in this sort of role um, you know once you've gone through one experience of building a business and stuff like that you, you do you do have the ability to kind of use the learnings that you've got to do that on and off and 
and uh, take those learnings forward, basically, so that you yourself can grow. Um, so that's how I see it, really. And I think as soon as you stop deciding you don't want to grow in this role anymore, if you kind of think, actually, I've gone as far as I can with it, then you know that might not be, uh, well, it might be you know, time to move on to something else. But yeah, it's just, it's mindset, to be honest, and it's how you approach it and having a system to do that, basically. On the um, on the learning side of things in particular, I know in terms of my personal journey, I've gone from um, being pretty good at recruitment to having a period where I'm now comfortable and a lot better at running a recruitment business. But that transition in the middle was um, was one that I can look back on now and see that I I really wasn't still learning, or I was assuming perhaps that being good at recruitment would automatically mean I was good at running a recruitment business, and clearly that wasn't the case. And definitely some of the skills that may be good at recruitment would conflict with my ability to, to run a business well, yeah. whether it was recruitment or technology or, you know, a charity, whatever it may be. Um, so I've definitely felt over the last few years that being much more conscious of how I learn, how I develop and having a bit of a, a system for that has really helped me cope with the bad times or make sure that I'm comfortable that it's not about getting everything right. It's just about a good balance between right and wrong and, and, and learning from the, the failures rather than classifying them as, as losses entirely. Um, yeah. From a learning point of view, that seems to be something that's obviously key to you and you've mentioned a couple of times. Um, what works particularly well from you from a learning or a development point of view to, to keep on top of things? Yeah, there's, there's a few things really. Like I, I'll decide every year or every six months or so what, what I need to you know try and get better at and therefore learn more about. Uh, and I'm quite um, self-critical, I suppose, on that front and quite conscious. And there's a fine balance to doing that versus kind of being a, the leadership character. You know, you have to play both roles when you've got views and opinions on things and you really believe them, you must like reinforce them and, you know, put them forward. It doesn't mean that that's the way something's going to go, but there's that bit. And then there's, you know, learning that sometimes actually, like I said, you're, you're not the right person to make this decision or you're not, you know, you don't have enough experience in this area to do this. So I think sort of, you know, coming up with the themes and, and the kind of areas that, you know, you have personally and being really honest with yourself is critical, you know, what you're good at, and what you think you're good at and what you're not. Um, so kind of getting your head around that and then, and then getting feedback, you know, people tend to forget, you know, when you go through like a more normal one-to-one -one process, when you're giving a one-to-one because -one you're managing people, you sometimes forget to do something similar for yourself, you know, getting direct feedback from people that you work with in terms of your peers getting feedback from the rest of the team, you know, how the business is improving or needs to change or whatever it may be. And I've always surrounded myself with people, like I said, more experienced from like an advisory capacity. So the people on our board or some of our investors who became mentors to me, you know, I would go to them and say, well, here's a challenge I've got. And they would very clearly identify, well, it's a challenge because you, you either don't know enough about it and you should, or it's a challenge because actually you shouldn't really be involved in this. You need to find someone who's an expert. So it's just having the thirst for it really. And uh, once you've got that and you work out, like I said, what you can do by yourself and what you need others to help input, you can, again, try and create a framework for your learning and your, your growth as an individual. I don't know about you, but I definitely remember as a child kind of getting the message that you need to develop your weaknesses and plug the gaps there. But it, it sounds like probably you're, you're comfortable if you've got gaps, then it's about plugging them, not necessarily through trying to be the best person on all the areas yourself, but actually surrounding yourself with good people maximizing their strengths rather than worrying about your gaps 100 percent, yeah and I, and I was told that very clearly you know again from some mentors that i had when i first started out and and that that's the real approach that makes things work you know at a certain size and scale 
your role as in my role, like a founder, entrepreneur, CEO character is actually to bring great people on the journey fundamentally. Yes, there's lots of other stuff, but that, that is so critical if you want to build a big scalable business. It's, it's not about your ability, like I said, to write code in a great way, plus do the sales, plus do this. It's not about that at all. It's, it's energizing other people to want to come on the journey and you know, use their very valuable time and their expertise to, uh, to, to build a good business as well. That's, that's, it's huge. It's, it's the only way to succeed in my opinion. And you mentioned about going through kind of milestones and changes every six, 12 months. Um, thinking about this year, I mean, there's obviously been, there's been change there for all of us. I know yeah. you had a pretty significant milestone in terms of validating what you'd done so far with the mm-hmm. investment from Fuel Ventures early on this year, I think it was two and a half million pounds yeah, yeah, yeah. beginning sort of quarter. So, I guess probably in terms of how that's played out, we could talk about that in a minute and it's probably been different than it might have envisaged and positive in some ways and challenging in others. But um, actually getting to that point, that milestone, how important was that for you personally and, and for the business, do you think, in terms of, I guess, partly validation, but also then further support as you look to scale and grow? I mean, it's critical. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's critical. Like when you're building a technology business and, and unless you've done it, unless you've looked into it and kind of look at how it's modeled and how these companies, you know, become really big. I mean, and a lot of people find it obviously baffling, you know, you could go on for years and years losing money, but creating mass revenue streams and expanding products and all the rest of it to eventually find a way to either break even or profitability. And then you either float or get acquired. But when you look at the actual nuts and bolts of it, if you, um, if you can build a platform and a, and a SaaS style business or marketplace or whatever it is, but basically something that is, has got potentially huge scale to it, um, it's the only way to, to do that really in, in what we would consider a reasonable pace of time. You know, if you wanted to build a business quite quickly um, or if you wanted to do that because you wanted the experience of a fast growth company, whatever it is, you can obviously decide to do it over a longer period of time. But, you know, once in your life, maybe twice, you might get an idea like this that truly can do this. Um, so for me, raising money, for example, we, first we say we, we raised about two and a half to a bit more than two and a half from angels kind of to get us to that bit, if that makes sense, which was a, a very different journey to where we've done in the last year or so with fuel or six months, six months, nine months a year. Um, so, it, you know, getting VC funding at that level very much validates your experience and your journey. And, you know, you've, you've got people who are, again, super intelligent, the guys at fuel are amazing and they've gone, well, that does have the potential to go, you know, gangbusters and the team is really good and we're going to, you know, place a very large bet on it, but it's an educated bet and they've measured the risk, et cetera. So it helps you validate, you know, from my perspective, the idea, again, the, the team, et cetera. I was always a big believer in our earlier stage, just before we had it, that we were going to get there. It was just a matter of how, um, but yeah, no, it was huge, both for the company, both for me individually. I think, you know, from anyone who's doing this thing, in, in, in perhaps the early stage where you haven't got to that milestone, the best advice I had or kind of look back on is that you're, when you're raising money like that, you're looking for a market of one, really. You know, you could meet 100 potential investors and they may or may not invest for so many different reasons. You only need one to make it work at the end of the day and you just need to kind of get that opportunity and hope that it pays out. And um, so there's an element of luck combined with obviously all the other stuff. So yeah, huge validation, and it's uh, it's completely changed the business. Put it that way. Brilliant. And and jumping onto the the people side of things, I was 
I was talking to some businesses, um, giving them some advice, those that are looking at raising money, whether it's either seed or series A. And, and I think there's a tendency to be very blinkered on the, well, I'm raising investment, therefore that's really got to be my focus. Yeah. And I was trying to give them some guidance around, um, of course that is the case, but perhaps there's some things they could do today, even if they're not raising for three or six months that would help them from a people point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so really kind of, um, I suppose, what's, you know, what's key about your people and talent strategy before you raise rather than just getting the check and then running out and trying to throw it at some hopefully good hires. Um, are there things that, that you did before actually you you got the investment coming in to help on the people side of things or things that looking back you wish you would have done to to maximize your chance of finding that great talent to build the business definitely yeah i mean the whole failing to plan planning to fail piece is factors into this right so the big thing we thought about just before we we assumed we were getting the money as we were kind of going through due diligence is did a number of what we called growth initiatives so from all the hunches and all the data and all the experience that we had so far, where were the three, five, whatever they are, areas we were going to invest in to, to get the next stage of growth? And, you know, product, technology, marketing, sales, uh, and then there's kind of the finance and the kind of administrational parts of the business, ultimately, that all we're going to get a share of this money. Um, and working out how much to put where, which obviously then correlates to how many people you can hire, was really critical um, and working out what that sat like from our perspective. We benchmarked it against a number of kind of use cases that, you know, other businesses have done. You look at sort of SaaS playbooks and stuff like that. So you kind of validate those assumptions as much as you can. Um, and then you actually, once you've got those initiatives kind of lined up and the budgets, roughly speaking, you, you then go into the kind of people piece, as you said, like how many people are you going to need? What level of experience, et cetera. Um, I think one of the things I look, would look back and do better than we did um, is kind of before you just go on the hiring spree, as you said, which we sort of did do, take a bit of time really putting together what makes a great person at Content Cal. You know, a combination of experience, uh, appetite, attitudes, then the company values, you know, X, Y, and Z. We did kind of have to get on with it because of what's happened this year, partly. But, um, you know, if I was looking back, I'd say let's spend couple of weeks defining exactly what that looks like before we then go on the hiring spree so we can actually talk to people and see do they fit the criteria that we need um so yeah i would do that basically a bit better and, and you know if startups you can't get everything right so you kind of you've kind of time a parachute on as you jump out basically is another funny analogy but we're doing that stuff now if that makes sense but yeah i think i would have uh, i would have done a bit more on that before we got started yeah and no, i think that's uh, definitely sound advice i would think back on personally and also from what I've seen other founders of businesses that are kind of scaling where particularly I think those early stages of business there might be a bit more of a, a friends and family appeal to the uh, the hiring you've made so it's people you know people you can you have that inherent judgment on but actually once you start to bring in new people into new areas and you don't have the benefit of having worked with them before yeah having an objective system to measure what good looks like you know rather than just jumping into come on we can't stop and pause because we need great people let's look at this finance director or this cto without agreeing well what does a good person look like and making sure that's for us as a business rather than a generic person mm. based on our values and our culture and what we want to achieve so, and how we're going to measure it yeah you're so, you're so right to be honest with you and i think when you're in the so again fast growth you know all that sort of phrasing stage momentum is almost the number one priority and sometimes actually you forget that you you need to take two what you know step back or whatever it is take two steps forward so doing that prep work up front actually 
makes you go faster. You just don't necessarily realize it at the time. So I, I totally get that. And yeah, if I was looking back, I'd say that's the number one thing I would have changed in our approach. You've, you've talked about, so back to that investment and then also, you know, the, uh, the pandemic, pandemic clearly accelerating the, the demand for what you're doing. Um, then you brought new people on board. Mm. How's, um, how's that been and have you made sure, particularly we we're talking earlier about communication and, and, and making sure, I guess, you've got a connection with those people. So how's that kind of played out and what have you done to make sure that working remotely virtually hasn't detracted from bringing great people on board and making sure they feel part of that journey? Yeah, I mean, one thing I would say is that it's hugely complex at the end of the day. And I think I don't have all the answers to how this will work out. You know, we've made, we've done some things right and wrong, but I think when you get a chance to pause and think about, you know, if whenever hopefully you go back to some form of whatever normality is in the future, and you look back at this year and you say, God, yeah, it's a lot going on to deal with at the end of the day on this front. So um, I think the thing is I would, I would essentially say that again, if I did the prep work up front and stuff like that, we would have more of a framework to work from. But one of the things we did when we were hiring more people was fundamentally do a lot more interviews. So, you know, in a physical way, you, you can get different vibes of people and stuff like that. But I would have done it. Well, we did do a lot more interviews online just because you need longer to talk to people on this sort of style. Um, so you do the kind of proper interview process. Then you might have a chat in the second one. Then they might meet two or three other people in the company. Then they might meet some more people. So we took our time on each you know, higher uh, to get it really right, as right as we could. Um, I think we underestimated the whole online versus uh, physical need. You know, it's really hard to judge um, and, and finding people that are, have either worked from home a lot before or are really comfortable in that environment. And the fact that it might not change, because let's be honest, we don't really know what's happening at the moment. And it's really hard to go from one culture, which is very office-based to predominantly online, which we've all had to do, obviously. But you know, making sure that you, you're very upfront with people and say, you know, obviously we're remote now. We've taken the decision that we'll be, you know, remote first, probably forever. Um, but we will have physical offices and stuff like that. And then obviously the, the changing nature of that is also very difficult. So we said that, you know, a little while ago. And then as soon as we were allowed to kind of go out, we, we gave people the ability that they could have like a spaces or a Regis Pass. So you could go local for a change of scenery or you could all meet up in X, Y and Z place guiding with all the rules and stuff like that of which people have started to do because they really do want that human interaction so uh, to be honest we're still learning as we go and all that um and i think everybody is but what we had was a good luxury in a way this year is that we had to grow our people you know we were not going to achieve anything that we needed to achieve unless we just got on with it so like i said it's kind of good problem to have in these times where you're kind of hiring, you know, more than half your team again. <laughs> um, but there are huge challenges along the way in doing that and getting it right, I would say. Yeah, no, indeed. And I think there's, um, I know when I've talked to people that have come to interview for my business, then um, one of the things that always seems to create a great impression with them is in the couple of minutes before they're waiting to meet with someone, they may be offered a cup of coffee a couple of times, people walking past them are smiling at them. And that's definitely one of the things that I've thought when we're looking to interview remotely, how do you kind of recreate that feel they're getting for the business and the values of it without the opportunity to get them sat in reception for two or three minutes before you, um, before you sit down with the interview when you're jumping onto a zoom call and, and probably you can obviously set the scene and try and break some ice, but you know, probably jumping much more into a functional conversation. Yeah, it's very hard. I think, I think the thing is, again, we've all probably learned that, that you need to do that bit first, with, especially in interview scenarios. You can't just go in. I mean, you know, in the first instance, you might do that because you just haven't kind of got your head around, like you said, the differences. 
And also from the candidates perspective, it's very easy to forget, like you said, that they might have done hours of prep, they've done lots of research, you know, they've really wanted this potential role and you're going in from one Zoom call to another Zoom call, knowing you've got another one afterwards and you're just rolling like this. So take that time to pause and actually remember the conversation you're about to go into, make sure people feel comfortable before you go into the actual interview process. And I think the other thing is, you know, working out what role you're hiring for and where they kind of sit in the seniority process and plan what you're expecting from them and working out, you know, how that fits and uh, kind of get, you know, figuring that bit out. But yeah, you're right. You know, you've got to create the, the normal experience of it, even though it's very, not normal. I don't know what the word is for that. Um, yeah. yeah. What's um, I guess, partly in terms of the nature of your business and and very much at the heart of maximising the value from social media. But also, you mentioned there about candidates doing their research beforehand. I think that's definitely something. If I think back to 15, 20 years ago when I came into recruitment, there was probably there was a lot less opportunity for candidates to do that research mm. um, and to in a way kind of um, gravitate towards the businesses that they they felt most comfortable with and also to um, to make them realize that rather than go to that interview, they probably don't want to go and see that company because of what they're seeing online. Um, so I definitely think some of the best companies I've seen, particularly over the last few months where it's been virtual interviewing, have made sure they've got a really, um, say a great picture because that sort of suggests that it's not authentic but you know a really clear and transparent picture about what life is like within the business yeah so are there particular things that you could see you've done to help paint a picture even before they jump on that zoom call to help them understand what life is like and what it isn't like with the business yeah we, we have done some things but probably not a lot is the honest, not, not enough sorry is the honest answer so i think one of the things i started doing this year which is you know for, for multiple reasons is publishing a lot of content on linkedin yeah. If, you, if you follow me on there or are connected with me, unfortunately, you'll probably see me pop up on your feed every day, pretty much. And, um, I mean, you know, we have a process in the system for that. You know, I work with people to help make that happen. And actually, we found that that played quite a big role in people either discovering Content Cow as a company to potentially work for. Um, you know, like you said, qualifying based on what I've been saying, whether that's somewhere they want to work or not. And then actually just reaching out to me directly, you know, sending me a LinkedIn message. And then I'm say thanks very much and passing on to the right person to speak to if it's not me so that has been huge actually and uh, it's kind of that it's not all about the employee piece because there's lots of other stuff but it's a big driver of it and creating the you, you get a very good feel i would say if you read five of my posts what it's like to work at content Cal. i think you'd get a really good rough, rough rough idea um i would like us to get better at you know the kind of proper employee branding you know system if that makes sense so you know having linkedin uh, theme of content that goes out on that basis and having the right pages on your website and all that stuff again you know there's always room for improvement in these areas and i think when you're in the fast growth stage um like i said you don't unless you just consciously consciously make that decision you don't take those steps until you need to and I think what we found is we've had some amazing people this year, but I would say it's 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 through uh, lots of hard work and, and, and huge effort and also then a two-way dialogue. We can be much better at actually promoting what it's like to work at Content Cow and therefore kind of allowing people to, like you said, pre-qualify before they might come for an interview or apply. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, there's definitely room for improvement. I think these things, it's funny, every stage you go through, like I said, there becomes a new thing that you haven't thought about. And this is one that, you know, comes up as you start to scale you realize your success is predicated on your ability to attract and you know push talent forward and, and grow with them whereas in the previous phase like i said your 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 driver of success is your work and a few others great work and just getting on with it it totally changes each stage 
So what you do to do that needs to change as well. And, and part of that that you talked about earlier on is that kind of delegation and making sure you've got the best people around you. Um, personally, have you, have you found that, I guess some sort of, you know, entrepreneurs, some founders find it difficult to let go. Others find it, you know, something that they actually, it really kind of energizes them and inspires them. So how have you found that part of that process around the delegation? And I guess as part of that, the communication that we were talking about earlier. I'm a massive delegator, luckily. So in a way, um, I, I, you know, because in my previous roles, even before starting my business, I managed people. So, and I went through a reasonable, not a lot, but a decent amount of training on that front and how to do that. Obviously, starting your own business is a very different thing and it's your baby and it's this that and the other kind of thing but again like like i said having a lot of mentorship and support from people who have done this before and been successful was always really important to me to learn the playbook if you like and you know there wasn't a single successful entrepreneurial business person that didn't say to me your your success will come from hiring great people and getting them to run departments and getting out of their way <laughs> um, and, and motivating them and obviously you know playing certain roles and, and getting other things done but that that is ultimately how you'll succeed so you know I've always taken that approach I think the frustrating thing is obviously when you're growing and you're seed funding and this that and the other you can't always afford to pay market rates for you know some talent you know and that's just the way that the system is so that's always difficult. You've always kind of got to work within the restraints of what you can get, uh, if that makes sense, and who you can attract and who you can ultimately afford and incentivize and stuff. So, you know, one of the great benefits of raising large sums of money is that you can then take a step back and say, right, we need this role, this role, this role, this role, and they all need 20 plus years experience. And actually, you can have the real dialogue with them about that. So, yeah, that's been liberating. To be honest, I would say it's the word liberating for someone like me who doesn't need to do it all and doesn't need to be an expert in everything and is very happy actually bringing people in and being told what the plan is in that department. I don't need to define the plan for everything. I'm, I, I can do the overall piece and bring everything together, but I would much rather hear someone who knows exactly what they're talking about with more experience than me crafting a plan for marketing and sales or whatever than me trying to do it from reading some blogs online. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. If they've got the, the skills and the mastery there, then give them the autonomy to, to make the key decisions and, you know, and, and, and make sure you understand what your role in that, I think, is good advice. Mm. Um, the, in terms of either the, the stage you're at now and that being different to what it would have been 12 months ago um, and looking to, to really scale the business and to, to build on that success you've, you've demonstrated, but also, I suppose, what you might have learned and reflected over the last few months through the pandemic – do you think you will look for different skills and capabilities in the future? Will it change the nature of the person that becomes a good hire for content, Cal? Yeah, it definitely will. Like I said, so we, I would say we're coming from when we closed the deal with Fjord and kind of this year and, and like you said, the pandemic and everything that's happened, you know, there's a set, like if I looked at kind of the, the key things that, like I said, made a great person joining content, Cal, they'll be different now going forward, really. We're coming every year, we operate on a normal you know, calendar year. So, every year that goes by, like I said, those things will change. So, you know, getting people in, in this last year has been bringing, like I said, great expertise in certain areas to either get something started and get it moving and professionalize that department, so to speak, and make sure that, you know, one person isn't actually doing five person's jobs, which is the typical way is to start actually getting those five jobs lined out and getting great people in to do them and getting the change around that. I would say we're almost at the stage now where we are what I would classify as the mini org, if that makes sense. So we're not a group of 10 people who all know each other really well. We're a group of nearly 40 who is a mini organization. And what we now have to do is work out the skills, the structure, the way of working, communicating, like you said, and the processes to kind of turn that from a mini org into 
the middle, if you want to call it that, however you phrase it. But like, like I said, every sort of 10 to 20 people that join, everything breaks and everything needs to change and tweak accordingly. And, uh, you know, one of the big things I've wanted to do this year is bring some senior people in in certain roles that have seen all that before. So for me, obviously, it's, it's new in some way. Now to me, that experience I had there was, you know, it was a huge scale of it was 40 people. And when I left, it was a thousand. So I saw it happen, but I wasn't constructing it, which I'm very much involved in that now. So, yeah, educating yourself around that transitional process and working out what's next is key. So back to my own learnings, you know, I'll be spending at least a month of this year as part of my project saying, well, let's come up with the framework for that rather than just doing it next year and seeing what happens. And looking to the future, what else does the journey hold for, for Content Cal and, and for you and the role you'll play within that growth? Uh, well, yeah, huge growth, hopefully. I mean, that's the grand plan, obviously. So, you know, when, when you, my ambition for the business is to be the number one platform uh, that drives content marketing for SMEs in the world. You know, it's a big, big vision. And I know that's a huge challenge as well as hugely exciting. And that's how, you know, having that giant vision, you're able to bring great people on because they want to come on a journey like that and you can get investors, et cetera. So, you know, laser focused on that, becoming the number one platform in this space for SMEs in the world is, is absolutely key. And like I said, figuring out how we get there. So more marketing, more sales, more technology, you know, defining stuff, new brands. We, we've got a ton of things coming in the pipeline, which will help us on that journey. Um, and like I said, keeping the energy high and, and you know, I, I find my role, like I said, changes every year. So I'm coming to the end of this year. So I'll be working out, you know, what do I need to do next? How do I need to change within that experience and make sure I'm still adding value because it's not a given that, you know, as a founder, you're, you're there the whole way through at the end of the day. So I, I challenge myself to make sure I'm bringing as much to the party as you can. Um, but, you know, just enjoying it as well is really critical. I think, you know, this year probably has made everyone realise, you know, in your roles, obviously, in what you do day to day, when your freedoms are taken away in many ways, you must do something you, you really like and enjoy that gives you energy, doesn't take away. So, you know, I'm really conscious for everybody who joins as well as myself that that's the case and that we can build a, you know, a thriving organisation that's, yes, commercially successful, but also just a great place to work and be really proud of. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of, that's, that's uh, I don't know, a long-winded version of saying lots more growth and exciting stuff to come, basically. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Now, I think that part around the, the journey, not being the means to an end, but actually being an end in itself is something that massively resonates with me. You know, I think um, I'll, like you, I'll, you know, I, I enjoy the, um, the positives and, and to a certain extent the negatives of running my business in that I, I know that I'll have good days, I'll have bad days, but actually what I don't want to have is a day where I don't, look forward to doing what I'm doing you know even if I know there'll be challenging ones and I think part of that is actually running the business in a certain way being a great place to work rather than just driving the numbers all the time and forgetting about the people within the business because I just I don't think I've got the capabilities to run a business in that way and I, I also just wouldn't enjoy it I just don't think you can I think the reality is you know I, I mean I saw some people do but if you don't have you know a great environment like I said and consciously make that happen and be good to people and work hard and create those, like I said, frameworks for people to be themselves and contribute in the best way that they can. You don't have that, you know, and that's something you have to work out. Just that, you know, that has to continually adapt. You can't just drive a business by a spreadsheet as much as uh, some people might profess to be able to do that. A business, a company is a company of people at the end of the day, and, that, and that's what makes it work. So I, I totally get what you're saying. No, great. And in terms of, um, I mean, there's been some great stuff that you've shared, both in terms of you as an individual and also the people within the business that have, have clearly got to the business where it is today and given it a platform for growth. If you were thinking about kind of parting comments and 
uh, any kind of words of wisdom around the the people in the business and and actually how you've made sure that you're maximizing their effectiveness anything that if you were talking to someone at a similar stage to you a couple of years back anything particularly you'd, you'd share with them to to make sure they focus on I would say going back to my point around really thinking hard about the qualities, the values and the level of experience you need for individual roles and consciously really thinking about that. And it's an impossible task to do this, but trying to think about the things that might crop up in the next six months before they happen. And if you don't know that, go and find someone that's been through it and talk to them in depth about it because you know, these are all well-trodden paths at the end of the day nowadays. This, this is building a big company is nothing new. It's, it's obviously hugely exciting, but go and speak to people that have done it because like I said, if you just go and get on with it, you'll, you'll fall into lots of mistakes. And yes, there's some good things to that, like you said, because you learn, but actually set yourself up for the best journey you can go on. So yeah, go and go and chat to some people and get some, get some good advice before you go on the next step. That's probably my best bit of advice. Yeah, no, brilliant. Thanks very much. And I'm sure hopefully people will uh, learn from the advice you're giving them today. If they, it sounds like they, you're not a you're not a secret out there on the social media world, but if they do want to hunt you down and, and either join your journey or get some more advice, then what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm Alex Packham pretty much on everything, whether it's LinkedIn, social, Instagram, etc. I would say if you probably don't ping me on LinkedIn, so I get a lot on there, but um, if you ping me a uh, on any of my social websites or whatever, I'll, I'll yeah, be more than happy to have a chat with people. Brilliant. No, thanks so much for your time once again, Alex, and uh, I look forward to be able to share the advice you've given. Thank you very much.